Hey guys, this is Brett Young, Taylor Young, and Rod Erb, and you're tuned in to the Be Extraordinary Podcast with Urban Young. Real conversations about business, leadership, and personal development. All right. Hey guys, welcome to episode eight. Excited to uh, have another conversation here that uh, uh, I'm pumped about. So um, I'm going to put a warning out here. This conversation is a little longer than usual. It goes about an hour and a half and I tried my best to edit it down, but every time I kept trying to find a place to break it up, I just felt like I was stripping value away from the 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 dialogue. It, there was so much rich conversation in here, so much rich content that I thought was so applicable to the question or the statement that Taylor asked us in the beginning of the episode, which was, you can either have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And uh, a really cool conversation about philosophy and mindset and uh, specifically uh, applicable to this COVID-19 situation where we all just feel like we've kind of let go of some, we don't have control over what's happening. Um, what comes out of that? What are the good things? What are the consequences? And then some stories and examples from our own personal lives. So um, so with that, maybe break it up with a couple of drive times, but I think you guys are going to love this. Um, it, 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 I got a lot out of it and I've listened to it a couple of times. Um, so um, with that, if you guys see value in this, please send it to somebody. Please share it with somebody. Um, we would love uh, help sh- uh, spreading the word. Also, thank you for subscribing if, you, if you've already subscribed. I wanted to send out a quick shout out to everybody that's left a review, um, unsolicited, amazing review. I just can't tell you how that makes the three of us feel. Uh, to know that you guys are enjoying this is the the best compliment, the coolest feeling for us because we're having a blast doing it. So to be able to have both of those marry together uh, is such a gift. So I just we wanted to say thank you. So with that, let's uh, let's get into it. Now, welcome back. Uh, we're 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 talking a little shop here, coffee table. What's up, guys? Fellas. Hi. What's up? You got your hair cut. I did, man. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you both got it dialed in. Thank goodness. It was rough there for a minute. There's only so many times you can do the uh, Gordon Gecko. I mean, people are going to see that. They're going to be like, oh, who is that? It's yeah. still Brett. That's right. <laughs> I feel like out of the three of us, you guys are, uh, I'm the least trendy. Uh, I'm behind on the trends. So as far as just- What, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. What wardrobe, hairstyle. I, I still have yet, I'm 32. I think I'm 32. Still haven't really grown a the beard beard yet. Um, it's pretty amazing, but uh, but I was telling <laughs> telling Rod off off camera here that today was we were talking about the call. Sometimes you need the call, or the call needs you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the coffee, you need the coffee. The coffee I needed the coffee this morning, and I've I've been on this fasting kick and. I had to throw a little little something in the coffee, man. I was MCT. Uh, yeah, I had to throw a little oil in the coffee. Do you still do the butter in your coffee? No, I do MCT. Do the MCT? Yeah. 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 How much of it? Just tablespoon? Or? You know, I I don't even measure it. I I I ballpark it. I have about so. this stuff from on it. That's not paid endorsement, <laughs> but it's got a it's got a cup. Looks like a little sh- like a little medicine cup that you'd use for uh, like Nyquil. Yeah. It's about that big, and I just fill that sucker up and pop it in in the morning. So it's a, it's in the a coffee. It's a decent amount, yeah. But the, but the on it bottle of, of oil is probably about that big. Did you get that water in before your coffee this morning? I did Good half stuff. a gallon. Yeah, that's half, a, that's, that's half important. a gallon. That's important. Well, we were in a mastermind group yesterday, and we were talking about that. If, you know, different, and, and we all had one takeaway, and that was the takeaway that Rob was trying to 
not trying. He's going to drink more water. Yeah. So water's important. For yeah, me. I, I don't. I'm not getting enough. So I texted him last night at like 9:30. Hey, bro, you about to go to bed? Make sure you get too. Make sure you get too big a glass See, of water. Before bed's tough, man, because I, then you're up in the middle of the night, and I don't. I don't like that. So well, it's, I, I, it's I was like definitely, a happy hour. You need like a water happy hour, like three to six. <laughs> a water happy hour. There yeah, you go. Like another one to write down. Where you crush water. It's and a performance hack. There you go. I, I agree with you that that's probably not ideal, but when your water intake is noticeably non-existent, right. you get it when you can get from it. From a color so, perspective. From a color perspective. But I, <laughs> I had, I stopped, uh, I was running around, stopped at my home, I got a gallon of, of water and drank half of it before bed, which was, which was good because I hadn't had much water yesterday, um, and then woke up and pounded the rest of it. But I was up all night. Hmm. Um, but secondary consequences, man. I, I'll take it, man. I feel I completely Absolutely. automatically feel different. And you, you were talking yesterday about you know when you wake up in the morning, you go right for that coffee, and and yeah. as Brett's point was, your body needs something good, and coffee's not good. I don't care who you what you say. I mean, there's good stuff about it, but right. maybe at the core, it's not better. Better the center. But if your problem is dehydration, yeah, better, then you go for problem. something that dehydrates you. Right. right. Exactly. Right. So I, I woke up this morning and and. Uh, I mean, I, I got in a half a gallon of water. Good for you. And it was it was great. Yeah. Good for you. I make that a practice. Like I, I made the day, uh, daycare run this morning. And so you're right. Your first inclination is to grab the coffee first. But I, I, I'll do two big like Yetis of water on the way to daycare. That's and great. then I drop the, the um, car seat off at the house because um, I'm not on pickup duty. And I'm like, okay. You have one car seat? Uh, yes, we do. Um, it's a loaded question. We'll probably have another podcast on car seats. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so then after I've had like two 32 ounces of water, like the coffee's way more. Wait, so you drink two 32 ounces? I pound one when I get up. A full 32 yeah, ounces. And then I try to have one on my first commute. Wow, so if, you. I, That's if I'm a coming lot. to the you office. You do that every day? Yeah, most days. But if I'm coming to the office, mm. but I'm a water fanatic, always have been since high school. Um, Whatever it may be, athletics. I used to a gallon a day is no problem for me. But the um, but when I do it, I, I do notice. That's funny you, you say that because, and then I'm, I'm on the way to the office. I'll try to get myself to commute with water rather than coffee, with the exception of days like today where I commuted with coffee. Well, it's one thing that I notice is I I drank the water last night. Woke up drank the. I missed the gym yesterday, but I woke up feeling more fit. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. I yeah. don't mean more fit, like vital. I just vital. I felt yeah. like alive. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I was ready. I was ready to line up at tight end for somebody. Yes. No, you yeah. still, you still. Yeah. Brady's like forty three. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not scared. Not yeah. scared. <laughs> I mean, I got a bad wheel right now, but I mean, it's getting better. So, one thing I wanted to discuss today um, is this idea of growth and. There's a quote that's always resonated with me, whether it be personally or with the business or on teams. And I, if you guys are cool with it, I kind of wanted to just share that quote and then get your opinions on it. Sure. Heck yeah. Uh, I think that'd be a good kicking off point, um, specifically for, again, professionals, business owners that, um, you know, a lot a, growth is a word that's thrown out a lot, right? And, and, growth mode, what does that mean? And how much should we grow? Where should we grow? All that kind of stuff. So the quote to jump into it, and I'm going to butcher the guy's name. I think it's Craig Groeschel. Um, the quote just says that you can either have growth or you can have control. 
but you can't have both. And I'm trying to think when I heard that, I think it was probably four or five years ago, but it's just one of those quotes that, you know, like sometimes a, a quote or some, a passage just sticks with you and, and it's just something that you borrow from that just seems real to you. And, and, and then as you make decisions along the path, that quote kind of creeps in and say, uh, so for me to, to lead off, when, when I hear that, I say that, that when I'm really trying to control something, when I'm really trying to manipulate or, or change a behavior or whatever it is, um, it's like that, that reminder that, uh, you know, one, you can't control everything. And two, do you want to? Because what if growth was on the other side of that? I think about when you say that you first heard that, I think about where we were four or five years ago. There, there wasn't, we, we were really pressing hard for growth. And I would say that back then there wasn't probably a lot of control over much, at least in my read of it. You know, I mean, everything was, every day seemed like a new, um, a new challenge, a new discovery, learn something new. So I, I just, I, to kick off this conversation, which I think is cool, I think it's interesting to think about when you learned about that or mm -hmm. heard that quote for the first time. And maybe time. that's why it resonates. Four, yeah, four or five years ago, four or five years ago, there was not a lot of definition to either one of those. We knew we wanted to grow. And I don't think we yet learned or understood that to grow, we needed to give up control in, in essence. Sure. Um, I know we'll hit on that, but <laughs> I feel like the uh, every day that goes by, <clears throat> I feel like we have less control, um, which in the context of that quote is a great thing. Sure. That's by design. A, yeah. I, don't think that's, I think that's a great thing. But I think it is fascinating. You know, like, uh, you know, it was just a couple of us. There may have been a bunch of challenges and a lot of problems and different things that are coming up every day that you didn't know and maybe more angst. But, you know, you I at least felt in the driver's seat, you know what I mean? So at least I was in control of the situation. I might not like the outcome. Um, that doesn't mean it turned out better. It doesn't mean I didn't have stress about it or more stress, but uh, at least you're the one, you know, calling the play and throwing the ball, you know? I feel like you know, a lot of times the majority of what's happening right now, a lot of times not the one making the call, not the one throwing the ball. So it's interesting. Is an interesting concept that the, the, the more something moves away from you, um, that's kind of that's kind of like a precursor, if you will, to, to having that desired outcome, which isn't that the goal. I mean, you know, obviously money's one thing, but freedom is invaluable, right? Uh, the, the ability to be able to create something that gives you some autonomy and, and flexibility and freedom and um, the ability to, 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 to allow others to step up and for them to create, which in turn should create more, which in turn gives you some freedom. But <clears throat> that that's probably easier said than done. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of a, um, that concept and what we're talking about is basically moving or growing something beyond your efforts. Um, I, I think of a couple of references. I think about like Michael Jordan, you know, and the Bulls and all, all the, the bouts that they'd have with the Pistons and they just couldn't get over the hump. And it was more so all about Michael and he's a scoring champ and he's got to shift his perspective to change who he is, which allowed his teammates to come along to get past the Pistons, right? So I love that you brought him, up the Pistons. You know, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Motor Rod's from Michigan. <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, so I, I think about that, of him giving up control or not, you know, in, in that effort 
for growth. And I also think about um, the book Cash Flow Quadrant. It's a great book. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know we've all read yeah. that. Robert Kiyosaki and gosh, some of his work is is, is dynamite. I'm not thrilled by all of it. Um, I'm thrilled by a lot of his work, just not maybe the delivery of some of it. But um, Rich Dad Poor Dad and, and Cash Flow Quadrant specific specifically um, talks about the difference between being self-employed and, and, and a, a business owner. And, and he has four different quadrant that he breaks it down to. And you can be an investor or you can be an employee. And um, what I gained from that book that, that, that there's certainly um, nothing wrong with being in any of those four quadrants, but acknowledging and having awareness of what it means to be in those quadrants and then ultimately where you want to get to. So uh, I think what you said about growing something past you and, and giving up a little control is moving from self-employed to more of that business owner mindset where it's not everything living and dying uh, by you and your efforts, which is which is hard. Well, but it's funny because like if you sit around a round table or if you're sitting with somebody, that's usually the goal, right? That's usually sounds that sounds great. I don't think anybody would um, make the argument that that wouldn't be their choice. That that wouldn't be where they would want things to go. Right. But there's a very difference between ideology and execution. You know, uh, I think the challenge with being an achiever. Is that you've learned the you've learned the craft of figuring out what you want to do, and then applying some sort of discipline and volume to something, getting a desired outcome, right? And you do that over and over and over again, and a lot of times in multiple different vocations. Is that the word I want to use? Different, great different, word. different industries, industry, sure. different yeah. attribute, you know, different activities, and you get and you get addicted or or get accustomed to how to move the needle, right? That's what an achiever is. But the challenge with being an achiever, I think sometimes, I think I battle with this. I think anybody that had some um, reflection would say that they battle this is the, the the common saying that maybe nobody wants to say anymore, but you see it in people's actions that if it's going to get done right, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to have to do it myself. Mm. What, a, what a tough statement to wrestle what, with. Number one, what an arrogant statement. What a, yeah, what a, what a limiting statement. Um, what a limiting statement. That's what a damaging statement. <clears throat> and what a disempowering statement. Um, For those of you around, around you. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I, I wrote down, you say MJ. I said, you know, what what's the... You, you know, what's the secondary consequences of being the MJ of your craft? You know, you know, you know. We all want to be great at our crafts. Um, however, in the in the in the space of entrepreneurship, in the space of building business, instead of I call it trading time for money, right? Um, or being the best doctor that you can be. Or something that requires you to deliver something specifically just with yourself. If you're the MJ of your craft, you make it really difficult uh, for you to not have to step on the floor and get a W, right? I mean, you make it very challenging for you to, 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 to if you need to take a playoff or, you know, you get sick or something happens or... You know, God forbid somebody on your team wants to to step up and wants to 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 create an opportunity for themselves. You know, you know, you just this overshadowing um, to where it's like you want to be really good at what you're doing, but do you really want to be the end all be all? Is that really your desire? Yeah, outcome? maybe maybe MJ is a tough example because it, you know, part of me listens to that saying like, oh, I want to be like I want to be like Mike. You know, you want to be great at what you do, but I think there's a difference between 
being great at what you do and having all the answers all the time or being, you know, um, the message rather rather than you know directing towards the message mm-hmm. i think that's the balance because just, not to interrupt you but i, I look at the, the bulls as soon as mj left chicago stopped winning right so are you trying to build a dynasty are you trying to build a program or are you trying to build uh you're trying to get rings for yourself you know he, he, they'll go down as the greatest one of the greatest teams of all time and the best sure. players of all times but as far as from a dynasty perspective that's not like the la lakers or the boston celtics you know, so or or I think a better example would be the San Antonio Spurs. You know, that an organization that that I read more about, we read more about in the culture code, where that yeah. they've had not a ton of stars. Obviously, they have Tim Duncan, they had David Robinson at the end of his career. Like they, but they've done it with different right. mixes and di- so right. So you don't need that polarized instead of system that won. And that's what I, I think. I, I think Rather this entrepreneurial be- game or this bi- building business game or if you're building teams game, that's what you're after. You're not after you're getting rings. And oh, by the way, everybody else on my team will get a ring because we got a ring together. No, I'm, right. I'm after the game of when I leave the game. Does. Does the does the mission and the brand that we built together, this dynasty, this this program, is it going to continue to win past you without me? Um, I think that starts with an important philosophy. I wrote down um, when before we started to quote unquote grow, we didn't have the need to recruit. But then pretty soon in, we knew we had to recruit somebody, and we recruited Matt. I think right then and there, we birthed a secure, a security or a philosophy that. If we're going to recruit, and we are, if we're going to grow this thing, and we will, we have to be okay with admitting that we want everybody that comes in to be better than us. Right. And I think, and I think that's kind of to what you're saying, right? It's like that—that's a program that has a dynasty. When you continue to find somebody better than you, and you're secure not being the person that has to be known as the best mm-hmm. well, they, within the organization, I think yeah. that I think there's a special sauce there, and I don't think. At least in my experience with sales teams or different companies in different industries, I've not always felt that. I've not always seen that. And I think that's something we do extremely well. And I think it goes back to our early days as as being friends and ultimately business partners is we saw people that the idea was you always want to work hard to get to the front of the room to have something to say. And then you want to remove yourself from the front of the room to empower other people to get to the front of the room kind of thing. Sure. I think we're, I think we're, we're in an evolution where we're going through that. Um, I think if you look at our summit, um, we're wanting to involve more people. I think we're wanting to hear from more people. I think that just shows a security that says we want those that say, I want more for myself or I want to create some opportunity for myself. Our, our intention, I mean, you guys can disagree or agree if you want, but I think I know we want, we're okay with people being better than us. Yeah. And I think I that's think, where think it all comes from. I think from. it's, uh, to, to jump you, Brad, I think to, to say that, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I'm okay with not being the best in the room or I'm okay with, yeah, recruit people and you know, don't be the smartest per- in the r- person in the room. I think, I think that philosophy, a lot of people go, yeah, that makes sense. But I think it's harder to put that in action, in tangible things. Um, and I think that's the growth first control. Like you mentioned Summit. Summit is basically, it's our leadership once a year event. Uh, a lot goes into it. It's always kind of been this birthing, that the three of us get away. Uh, we, we think about where we are, where we wanna go. We talk big picture, big stuff. And, and it's always been so cool 
for the three of us. And and for us specifically, it went to four. And then last year it was it was more core, where it was six or seven. And, and you're you're trying to bring people along and expose them to what it takes to run an event, what it takes to set up, what goes into it. Uh, for the people that that choose that they dig that and they want the opportunity to to be able to do that. But I think that's not an easy I, I think your initial reaction when you think about that, you go, easier said than done, like you said, because I think it's easier to control. Like I, I, I'm the best. I'm going to teach it this way rather than an understanding of like, hey, let's just come along together and we'll learn from each other. And here's some things that. Does yeah, that makes sense. Well, to, to, to your point, I think, I think, yes, there are some, um, yes, all of us have a piece in us that say, man, I, I, I want to be the best. I don't, I don't, that makes me insecure to, to have somebody that's better than me, uh, especially if you're, you know, quote unquote, running a company or you're, 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 you're in from a title standpoint, you're a leader, right? Which we all know that doesn't define leadership, but so that's one thing. And I think that's, that's an insecurity. And I think that's a thing that people see all the time when they have a boss that they don't have as much respect for. I think that's a big attribute usually that's there for that. Right. Um, but then I think there's also, which I think is the majority of the case, which is it's challenging to let go of that control because of the fear and the threat of the result that you might get from it. The breakout sessions were perfect examples. So this year, at our, last, this past year, at our, our leadership summit, you know, as a way of letting uh, young leadership come up the ranks and participate and, and start to, 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 I look at it as like kind of introing the call. We talked about it you know, in the past. Right. Maybe you don't run the call, but you intro the call. So this year we have breakouts and, and some of that young leadership did those breakouts. Um, but what's the threat there? The threat is we know how to run an event, right? We've done it multiple times. We have the vision of what it's gonna be. We understand maybe the macro. Um, True. the nuances, right? So we could run those breakouts and crush them because we have a little bit more context and a little bit more experience, right? And we want to deliver a really good product for the team because it's only a one time a year. It's a huge deal right. and everybody's looking forward to it. So there's a lot of pressure for anybody that's putting on the event to deliver a really good product. But we also have the challenge of making sure that we're giving people the opportunity to get in front of the room and, and stretch that muscle, right? So the breakouts are a perfect example of once we didn't pick the topics, they picked the topics, right? We made a deliberate decision that we were going to say, hell or high water, they're either going to do a really good job or they'll learn something from it, right? But the lesson and the philosophy of giving up the control will give us more growth Either it doesn't matter how it turns good out, good or bad. That's right. Good or bad, yeah, and right? It'll, yeah, it'll give them more growth, and it'll give well, that's absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Which is the whole game, right. right? So, but think about that for a second. I know the angst that we have felt, and I'm not the only one. I can't be the only one. Is man, I can really just do this real quick, and it wouldn't take that much time, and we could deliver something really good, and then I know it's going to be done right, right? So. Think about it. We all have a little bit of that arrogance in us. Uh, ego, for sure. Right? We all have a little bit of that. Um, but giving up that control, and it turned out to be unbelievable. Those guys absolutely crushed it. They probably did a better job than we would have done, no, honestly, because no they question. put way more time into it. Yeah. They were extremely thoughtful. They they took, they took it for the opportunity it was, and they made it a 10 out of 10. And... 
It was amazing. But but the real threat there is a real threat. Right. And are you okay with the downside? Because we made a decision we were okay with the downside because from on a long term, you know, we were like, no, it makes sense for us to do that. Let's talk about a customer, for example, right? In any business, you're going to give up control to maybe somebody that doesn't have as much seniority as you or experience as you. As a downside of giving up control in the short term, they might not do as good of a job as maybe you would do. This is applicable in any business. This is applicable on any platform, vocation, anything you're talking about of being able to give up control. So I don't think it's so much the, you know, I don't want anybody to be better than me. There's definitely some of that and and those are toxic situations and I just say run from those. But I don't think anybody listening to this would call themselves that person. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were that person. But the real the real enemy is the threat that says, man, you know, I care so much about this customer. I care so much about the product delivery. I care so much about the experience because we all do that if I give up control and I let somebody do this, what if they mess it up? What if they don't do as good of a job? And then it becomes this game of stomach that says, I'm okay with losing a battle as long as it helps me win the war. Sure. And maybe I can put strategies to mitigate against them completely dropping the ball. And, and I'm going to help them along the way. And as they go along the path, maybe I, I start to give them more control and more control and more control. Maybe it's not just to flip the switch. That's a leadership style thing. But I think the real threat to anybody listening and to us is not the ego. I think that's just – it's always there. But I think the real threat is to not understand the long game. And to think so much in the short term of, well, what happens if it doesn't go exactly how I would sit, sure. I think it would go. Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded, and I laugh about it inside. Um, I remember when we put Matt, one of you guys put Matt on an important call to make a, a, a sale on an auto policy. Yeah, I remember that. Remember, there was there, there was a lot of conversation back and forth about, you know, we're the ones really that are that are driving sales. We're having the conversations. We're asking the buying questions, and then we're and then we're packaging it all up and buttoning it all up. And pretty soon, I think it might have been you. It, might, it, was, I, it was you, and you yeah. said, "Here you go, Matt. It's your turn." This and this was a big policy. And, it, and at the time, I think it was a policy that would have mattered. Yep, and I remember this like it was yesterday. I know the client. I know the premium yeah, and, and, about. And I, know I, I think that I, I think what was funny was Matt's reaction was, "Man, I'm not ready to make that." Right. I'm not ready to make that call. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready for that conversation. I get goosebumps. I think about remember the Titans. I think about Ronnie Bass. I'm not ready to make that. I can't make that pitch, right? <laughs> but yet he gets called upon, and it was his turn to grab the grab the baton and run with it. And that's actually what Matt Dud did. And and the, you can fill in the details on the cons, on the on the on the conversation. But what I like the most is that I remember vividly we were so not privately we probably wanted that policy to be sold, mm-hmm. but. We never said it. It was always publicly. It was always get a rep and have the conversation. If you get the sale, great. That's not the point. The point is you're going to be uncomfortable. Your heart's going to get beating. You're going to have to go through a live situation where you're either going to, it's either going to go well, as you said, or you're going to learn something. Yeah. It's not going to go well or it's going to go bad. It's going to go well, or the other option is it's going to, you're going to learn something. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I'm hearing you speak about that breakout session for the summit and, and our posture on that, which is correct. I'm reminded that was us giving up control for someone else's growth. Could have been monetary growth if we sold the policy, but more importantly, giving up that control meant that's a that's a, that was a, a pivotal a pivotal moment in Matt's development and growth. One hundred percent. And 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 then I think of two things is like, what if you ask a better question? Um, 
what if they do a better job than you would, right? So you're asking the, maybe the wrong question. Oh, that's a good Amen point. To is, that. is to say, yeah. what, what if, if you they don't? Something? Yeah, what if they don't do a good, the same as I would do? They don't do a good, good enough job. Well, then we'll ask a better question. What if they do a better job? Hmm. Okay, one, the customer's happier. Two, they're happier because they're playing in their space mm -hmm. and they've found growth. And then you were able to get the leverage to go do more of what provides value to the organization. So I think that's a, a clinic and and maybe shifting your mindset to ask better questions. And and if that answer is what if they do a better job? And then maybe you backtrack to say, what can I do to equip them to be able to do a better job? Because what you mentioned, uh, you talk about the summit and we talk a lot about our personal stuff as far as our business, but anybody can relate to this is when, when is the right time? It's that delegation conversation. And when it comes to leadership, that's a balance that it's not like you're delegating to do a task. You're delegating to craft a message. You're delegating to uh, influence. That's a bigger deal. And so when I think what there's three breakouts. Yep. And by the way, side note, man, Matt's a special dude. So hats off to him because we can take any credit out of anything we've done. Yep. Man, that guy's a special guy. And I think about that all the time. But I, I and, and I, I think he would say that's a pivotal moment for him too. That's sure. what's cool about that. Yeah. And, and before you hit the breakouts, I remember what his specific thing was that he said when he was handed the phone. What if I lose it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was thinking. Well, what if we don't get it? I feel like he. I feel like he even said we need this. Yeah, so, something, something to like that, that extent. And it and it was like, no. Yeah, you know. But it, so it's like there's also the inverse of you got to have enough belief by giving up control that it's the best outcome because you're going to have to sell the person to 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 move into this growth role or this activity that they don't really believe they can even do it yet. So if you're not sold on the fact that it's good for the organization, good for them, good for you, they're going to feel, that. you know, they're going to feel it sure. because you got to transfer that belief to them because that we're assuming that person wants to step up. We're assuming that person wants the ball. They want the ball on the macro level when they talk to you in a boardroom, but do they want the ball when the person's on the phone, you know, and you're, they're waiting right. on hold. That usually takes some coaching and some cheerleading, right? So, what a great reminder to to to, to make sure that you understand the big picture. But I, that's why I think it's it's easier said than done because that's when 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 you need a sale, right? That's a philosophy. Oh, there's a, there's abundance that's versus, a whole nother versus scarcity, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you didn't do the work on philosophy, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, we need the sale. Give me the phone. No, you know we're gonna. Sh so I think again, that's one of those easier said than done thing. When there's there's money on the line, when whatever it is that you do, it's easier to talk about it than it is to actually give somebody the phone. Well, and say, I'm okay, I'm, I'm relenting control for the growth. Not, I'm just relenting control, no, here's the phone. Yep. Well, and here's I think that's phone. important because, yep. because again, I'm extremely proud of this. We've never needed sales. It's not to say we we're here to we're here to move product. Let's be honest, but we've never said we're at, we have to make this sale because we have to make this money. First of all, in sales, people know what your motives are. People know if you're just out for the commission or you're just out for the payday. And I've always, I've always felt, I've always felt strongly about whether it's myself or it's people that have been on my team. I, I don't want any part of those people. Of course, I don't want any part of those people. So I, to me, giving up that control was was an opportunity for personal growth or professional growth over growth of an organization. And I think that's important to point out that difference. Here, we're strictly talking about the growth of people. Our, our whole identity, our whole, our whole the, the whole definition of our company is to find people, 
go where they are and develop them into leaders. So I wrote a couple bullets down. Uh, recruit, train, uh, delegate, empower, and then lead. And there's a tactical part of that where we talk about timing. And I go back to the breakout because we went on a side note, which is beautiful. That wasn't the first time they had stepped up to lead, right? So let's not get it twisted because I think that's where delegation sometimes goes wrong. Uh, the best, um, how it's been put to me that resonates is the delegation rope to where you're letting a little rope out. Do they take it? Do they like the rope? You know, are they pulling on that rope? Okay, then you let a little bit more out. They it's do a, a good job. Such a good They do a really good job. Yeah. They, they want more. They want the ball. Okay, then you let more rope out. And eventually, if you've invested in the relationship, you've invested in the training, you've, you've built philosophy, you've empowered, you've learned from them, then that rope is longer. Mm-hmm. And... But, but, but to come in and say, okay, we want to give up control for growth and it's your first month on the job and we're going to have you lead a breakout session. Right. That's what we talked about, about the call and the intro and just baby steps within a platform. And so, so with the summit specifically, a lot of that work or a lot of that conversation or investment on their end and our end had been done to where you say, you know what, I am relenting control, but they are ready. Hmm. They not they may not know it yet, but they're ready. Well, and so, I think I think they're point. ready is underscored by the fact that actions have shown their they've earned the opportunity to to, to have the swing of the bat. Um, I, you know, it wasn't their first time leading, no. But I mean, they had done things and they had acted in certain ways that would say that they had earned that right. They had earned that right to step up in front of their their fellow teammates yep. and and share their experience or share something that was passionate to them. Again, you said they they created the subject matter and they did, they did a great job. Those, yeah, those what were, was the subject matter? Were, um, the first one was, was uh, what, what is your why? Um, Tori did productivity. Eric did, Eric did what was your why? Yep. Tori did productivity. Maddie did and empathy. Matt did empathy. And these Maddie are three empathy. subjects that whether they were 100% clear to them, I think they would agree, or whether they felt this is my space, this is where I'm good at. I mean, to watch them, like you said, put the time in. And I know in Eric's case, it helped leading a breakout on, and you know, you talk about, shout out to Matt, all three of these guys, shout out to Tori, shout out to Eric, shout out to all three of them, because I think it's, it's very easy and comforting to say that they had earned the right to have these opportunities. But mm-hmm. I know that through um, Eric preparing to lead a breakout on what is your why, it helped him be clear on what his why was. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that that was there's I mean, how, how amazing is that teaching yeah. knowledge? Right. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how amazing is that? So. I mean, by the way, if, if you're listening to the podcast and you hear, mm, mm, you're going to hear that a lot. Because <laughs> when somebody makes a note that hits, it's man, just, I just, yes. you're waiting for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, sidebar, I took more notes during Tori's productivity breakout. I mean, I could not take notes fast enough. I learned so much. Um, and, you know, I remember having conversations with him beforehand about his worry about his posture coming from a place of have I really have I really earned an opportunity to tell everybody else how to do something you know which is you know 
which is a normal reaction. That's a that's a reaction you want. I mean, if you're a leader, sure. and somebody's coming to you and you've asked them to do something, that that just shows some some humility, humility and you right. want that. But you know, I remember saying, "Look, man, you can you can you can be good at a subject, but also not have to be a quote unquote guru. It's okay to say, you know, look, I'm bad getting better, or I'm good getting great." Or I'm working towards outstanding. You know, this is a work in progress because it always is. However, you have to know enough to be able to deliver value, and you have to have done it to be able to deliver some experience. Otherwise, you're just opening up a dialogue, which sometimes that's okay too. Sure. But he had obviously he's one of the most proficient from a productivity standpoint person in the organization. He had definitely earned that opportunity in that platform. But it's just funny, it comes back to the belief standpoint, right? It comes back to being able to transfer that and say, no, you are ready, you know, this is why, and giving people the big picture. And so um, what a perfect opportunity for them, but what an even greater opportunity for the whole organization. Um, I think about that platform specific to the, to the opening that you gave, if you're a if you're a boss and you play boss, you don't want people better than you. And, and this is my opinion. Now there are times you have to play boss. There are times you have to be the boss. I don't I don't mean that, but I'm just saying when you're the person that walks around with the ego, I think you've said it before. Um, you're the boss because nobody can do the job better than you. So you're the you're the you're the end all. Right. But when you're the when you're the leader, or in our case the servant leader, because that's how we all lead. Aspire to at least yeah. absolutely aspire to right. Our, 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 I got I got plenty of I got plenty of chip on my shoulder that, that I try to flush out every day. Don't get it twisted, man. Well, I'm but a, I mean, okay, so aspire to that's fair. That's fair. But I just think to myself, everything you said: train, delegate, empower, lead. A boss boss doesn't care about any of that stuff. A boss says, "Here's here's the list of the job. Here's here's the job. Recruit Do and it. train. Yeah, recruit and train. That you're you're missing the lead and power." Yep. Um, the rest of it. And, and empower to me is the most powerful part of that. It's like yeah. you're, you, when you really talk about leadership or, or aspire to be servant leadership, you're talking about developing people, I think, to be to continue that to continue that trend. So empowerment to me has to start with people that are secure with other people being empowered. Yeah. And, and I think you guys have mentioned it a couple of times about ego and, and the balance between being a boss and a leader and however you want to define that in your own frame of reference. But I, I think um, vul the balance between vulnerability as a leader and then ego, um, I think that's a, a, a balance, right? Um, there's a difference between having a confidence about what you do and knowing that, you know, you, hey, I am pretty good at what I am, what I do. But there's also, like you mentioned, I think one of the challenges when you, th you think about a Michael Jordan, um, you, it's so he's so unbelievable. You know, it is it's hard to find. It, you know, the guy goes plays thirty six holes before a playoff game, and you know, and he still delivers, and, and he's the hardest worker. It's just so unbelievable that if you're looking at it as a teammate or or you're coming up the ranks, you're like, gosh, I mean, freak. There are a few people that truly wanted to be like Mike because what it took to be Mike, yeah. except for you know the Kobe's of the world, man. Rest in peace. But he's a guy that was another one of those guys where you just. It's so hard to get your level of saying, I, dude, I can't do that. I can't get there. So maybe I don't start. And I think what can be missed, especially when you know, you're in the relationship business and the leadership, is the vulnerability part. 
because when you share that you may have a lot figured out, but that you don't have everything figured out. And even more so, there are more things that you don't know than you do know. And you can share that in a way that still oozes confidence. I think that's where you start to get people that say, okay, yeah, you know, I really respect Brett and Rod for what they do, but they've shared that they do struggle in these situations. And I know that I can, you know what I mean? They have more of a belief of what they can bring to the table and knowing that you're not perfect. You're not, you know, they can still exceed past um, those expectations. So I think about that a lot is is the balance between vulnerability and ego and how you um, articulate that and how that oozes through. Yeah. And it's like, what's interesting is how do you grow? Like from an organizational standpoint, um, I think uh, there's a the the the, mo- the the more normal way, or the more path taken by most um, that just happens to be our natural instinct, and I don't know why, but I learn it. I become really good, and then I teach other people to do the same thing, right? So right. And then we do that as many times as we possibly can um, until we hit some sort of roadblock. And hopefully at that point, I'll have figured out a way to come become better. So then I can teach that organization the stuff, the new stuff that I've learned to get better. And there's always a balance as a, as a leader of an organization. You want to continue to be getting better so you can equip people. But then there's the other school of thought that says, man, I'm not taking on that pressure. That's way too much pressure. You know, I'm just going to find as many good people as I can. I'm going to continue to be better so we can collectively be better. But I bet you if we're involved in the practice of study, of, of, of looking for innovation and solutions, that they can figure out ways to become better. And collectively, we can grow the needle by somebody making an innovation over in this department, somebody making an innovation over here. Um, I read a, it was an article, it was a blog from Tony Robbins, I think it was yesterday, and it was talking about how, you know, personal growth mindset leads to innovation, but also leads to employee satisfaction mm. because we're just a human need. <laughs> Sorry. There's that mm. Sorry about that. That's good. It just needs, it, it, it was great because it's like, it's both. It's, it, you've got, you've got both, you, you have these accidental you know, innovation mistakes that end up being brilliance that usually come from somebody that's involved in doing that, right? We're like so detached. Notes. I'm detached from, you know, I'm very detached from some of the operational stuff, you know, uh, that goes on that for me to try to sit in a room and innovate on how to solve a riddle I'm going to stop you. It's, it's crazy. I'm going to stop you, you know? because what's what's when you're talking about it, uh, uh, what you're looking for and who we're talking to as far as the audience, including us, you're, you're talking about growing something past you, which is so funny that you sit here now, you know, however many years, nine years into the business, you were the end all be all to start. You know, it was absolutely 100%. Every question ran through you. You were the one that knew how to do everything. Mm-hmm. You were you were the the one that had all the answers. You were the one that... Uh, at first, I modeled and we modeled, and then uh, you know you have uh, team members that join and, and they model as well. And there was an intentional effort to move away from it. And so I just find it hilarious that it, you are as disconnected to some things as when when at one point there were no other answers, there That's were right. other there were no other voices in the room. Mm. And, and so 
what a cool we, result. And we didn't even employ resources, right? It, it was it was what would Brett think? What would what, yeah. all, all the time? It wasn't like let's go f- do our own research and figure it out and bring a solution. It was always, hey man, what do we do about this? How do, Especially when yeah. it was from a technical insurance perspective, yep. because and it was like how to be an agent or how to service policy and all yep. that stuff. It was just like every answer stemmed through. So so I, I think about what would it look like if. You didn't relent the control, right? What if it looked like if you went the other way? I can't imagine yeah. our business partnership, this organization, and that starts very at well the very, said. very top to say everyone that feels that empowerment, everyone that has the opportunity within the innovation, you and I included. Yep. Um, Without a doubt. That wouldn't exist. Well, and I, I'm reminded by this conversation of something that you guys are going to nod and you're going to find some, some peace in and some satisfaction in. Think about when we first learned what what learn knowledge meant, right? We heard, we learned about learn knowledge and then we learned about activity knowledge. And that's simple, right? Learn knowledge is you read something in a book on how to do it mm-hmm. and then you go do it. So you've got learn knowledge from the book. You've got activity knowledge when you go actually do it. And you come back to learn knowledge and it's the same message, but it hits you differently because you've been through the activity. Right. And you spend time in that phase toggling between learn knowledge and activity knowledge, learn knowledge, activity knowledge. And what's the next level of knowledge? Teaching knowledge, right? You, you've done it enough. You've studied enough to now you're going to teach it. So very, very uh, appropriately placed within our organization, start with you. you. You learned it. Then you went and did it. Then you went and learned it. Then you went and did it. Then you went and learned it. Then you went and did it. And Taylor happened to be the first person. The next knowledge is teaching knowledge. Taylor happened to be the first person you taught it to. Mm-hmm. Right? So now Taylor starts down a path of learn knowledge, activity knowledge, learn knowledge, activity knowledge, becoming worthy of someone who can teach. But now what are you doing? You're moving into the fourth level of knowledge, which is modeling knowledge. Right? Learned activity, learned activity, learned activity. Then you become the teacher and then you become worthy of being modeled. So if you think about that sequence, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, what, where's the tie? And the tie-in goes back to when we learned this concept. All we did was duplicated this concept and you 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 kicked it off. You learned, you were the one that said, this is what we believe in, which we collectively believed in that. Whether we knew that what whether we knew that, that was what was going on or not, that's exactly what happened. And ultimately now, through every level, through every position, through each department, it started out. Think about Matt. Matt started learning it, activity, learned activity, learned activity. And then Matt taught, started teaching Tori, right? Same thing is now happening on the commercial side. 100% of it came from you going through, the, you, Brett, going through it and ultimately being the person that was being not modeled exactly to your point. And then each time it's each time it's left the person worthy of being modeled, this is what I think is the most neat, most cool. That's when the progression has happened. That's, that's when the innovation has that's happened. Literally what I just yeah. wrote down. Yeah. That is that is when the innovation has happened. So think about how you left it for Taylor. Taylor made it better. Yep. Taylor left it for Matt. Matt made it better. Matt left it for Tori. Tori's made it better. It's now playing out that way in the commercial side. To me, that is the epitome of there are no egos driving us here. We just did what we did. Yep. We were humble. We we and we welcome. Well, you the- know what? Actually, you can't be humble if you say you're humble. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> By definition, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I stand corrected. Um, I don't know another way to put it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, I'm not humble, but. <laughs> 
No, I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I am. But I just think about how cool that is. There's there's the there, there's the technical definition. I mean, leave it to Rod to come up with something technical to, to add to this conversation. That's typically not my space. <laughs> but there it is, right? And it started with you, and now it's getting passed on. It's come through each one of us in our own way. To me, that's what's fun about saying we've you've given up a little bit of control for the growth, and you're seeing that play out through innovation that is being absolutely. And you even said something that was cool that I I, I, I threw in a little comment. Sticky notes was a was a was a innovation that came from a mistake, right? You know that story. Yep. That, that's what you know. So so to your point, a little bit of innovation that may or may not have been intentional, but sticks. I, I just no not, pun intended. No pun well, intended. I wanted to, to share too. Yeah. We're we're sitting here and and obviously Matt's going to get a get a lot of um, shout outs on this because he was there in the early days and, and a lot of this is what has birthed and come from it. But I was I was that before I I was the one that handed him the phone and said no you sell it because guess what Brett did that to me. Yes. I remember sitting at our kitchen counter. Uh, you know, we, we both lived at uh, our parents' house because we, you know, didn't have much money, and our our phone system was, hey, you know what? Yeah, let me see if Brett's available on my cell phone. Let me put you on a brief hold, and I hit the mute button, and there's hold. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and transfer you. So, and he's sitting right next to me, by the way. Uh, and real tough to find. Do you remember this? Yeah, you had to hit intercom in our big office and make sure the person was in the building. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Brett's available, but yeah. but I can put you on hold. Let me to go ahead and buzz him. But but after I buzzed Brett, I, I it was it was a very similar situation. It was some sort of issue. I think it was a, a potential sale. Um, and Brett Brett said the same thing. Don't give me the phone. You know, you handle it, right? And and it's so funny. I didn't think about that when we were talking about this twenty minutes ago. But because of that relenting of control, it empowered me, which duplicated down the line, which, which you hope that that philosophy can breathe through. And it's going to be different in every situation. It's going to be different in, in, in every leadership style. But that's a philosophy that is built around you doing it first, me learning. And another thing you said about learn, learn knowledge, activity knowledge and uh, teaching knowledge, you can't skip steps. Absolutely. And that, you, you can't go from no knowledge to activity knowledge or, or, or teaching knowledge. You should probably learn a little bit first well, and people, then get an activity, then go back learn. How many activity. people think that they, because I've read it, now I can go teach somebody how sure. to do it? But you've never done it. Yeah. So it's like it's words on a paper and actually going out and getting punched in the face when the words on the paper don't work and you have to find another way. You come back to I, I, I better learn it again because that didn't work. Yeah. Which is why I think the breakout sessions, when you think about the three of them, they had spent, spent many a times in learning activity knowledge, yeah. learning activity knowledge, learning That's activity right. knowledge to where they have earned the right to say. And, and it's no surprise that they delivered a message that was extraordinary because they had 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 that frame of reference. Well, yeah, they they had spent so much time and learned an activity, learned an activity. The next phase, it was just it was just part of the sequence. It was part of the progression. Now you have to try to teach it. And what's interesting is you talk about Eric. He learned even more about the subject because he had to teach it. That's right. You learn just as much from teaching on something as you do from learning it. As far as somebody else teaching it to you, it's a different perspective, right? Every That's time right. you change your vantage point. You, you gain better perspective, and perspective is is ultimately what gives you a, you know a, a, a different sense of understanding, I guess, if you will. I, I it's so funny you said that, Rob, because I literally wrote down that's when and you were talking. And I, number one, that's very cool to hear that perspective. That's awesome. Um, 
makes me, you know, that's cool. Um, but it's funny because literally that is absolutely the truth, right? That the, the, the way, that, and I look at like, for example, Robbie in, in, in his job as closing coordinator right now, he, he, the level of proficiency that he has with his role on this squad is, is, is incredible. It's just incredible. And, and, and the, the, the level of process and if you sit behind him in the way that everything is done, it's everything is intentional. Everything is intentional. Um, you know, in the level of volume that's being that he's able to, 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 to master to where it was when you and I were, were you know, you know, tripping over ourselves. The deal is, it's just it's profound, right? It's profound. But it is it is interesting that like literally grow you can either have growth or control, but you can't have both. Mm -hmm. That is a perfect example of as soon as that control was released incrementally. The innovation got more and more and more and more and more because you because that person who's taking over that spot, who's learning it, who you're giving them control, they're taking all the good stuff that they learned from you or from somebody. And then they're feeling empowered to be able to put their stuff on it, which in turn, if they put something on it and it doesn't work and it's not good, okay, well, then it never sticks. But what happens is you just need one or two different things that actually stick. So now you've got three, four, five generations of stuff that worked, but none of the stuff that didn't. It's almost like it flushes out the stuff that works as long as you have a self-aware uh, culture, as long as you have a culture that's, you know, that's that's that, that's collaborative, as long as people are be coachable, as long as people are able to say, you know what, that didn't work. I don't like that. And that person go, okay, that makes sense. That's cool. You know? But it, it, it's like every time it gets moved down the line to the next uh, person, it flushes out all the stuff that didn't work and you keep all the stuff that did, which is fascinating. Because again, somebody, the next person in that seat has a different perspective. The next person in the seat has skill sets that the other person didn't have. They don't have the baggage. They don't have the baggage, how, how but they, the also, they also do a little things a little different. So because they go, they go at the activity from a different angle, because they look at it a little different, that person couldn't see that because from where they sat, they never saw that nook and cranny. Yep. But the other person maybe have other experience because they may come from another field. They may come from different background. They may have different priorities. They may be very anal retentive where the other person was not. Mm -hmm. You know, that other person might have more creativity where this person sure. lacks creativity. You know, um, th there's just there's just so many you, cool. How about when you thoughts. when you know something? You've gone through learn knowledge. You know it, right? And you're going to teach. Taylor, and you teach Taylor. Let's say let's say you teach him off of what you've retained from the from what the content is. You teach Taylor. Let's say Taylor teaches me the same way. He teaches off the content that he learned. Yep. It's going to be different than what you probably told him. Totally. Because it's going to be what was important. You're going to teach the content because you learned it. So you're going to teach it in its purest purest form. But inevitably, Taylor's going to pick. In order to, what's the desired outcome? Here's what we got to get done, Taylor. This is your goal. This is what's got to get done. So he's going to take the things that are most important to him yeah. in relation to getting the job done, as you said, this is what's got to happen. The standard. That, that, right? The standard the you standard. set. Good yeah. word. But then when Taylor teaches it to me, he's going to teach me not what you taught him. Same desired outcome, but he's going to teach how he went about getting the desired outcome. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where you flush out 
He's basically saying, this is how Brett taught me, but this is really how you get it done. Mm. Yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's, and that's then interesting. Taylor teaches it to Rod with, here's how you get it done. And then I'm going to take Taylor's, I'm going to put my own spin on it. I'm going to put my own style on it, as you said. But then I know what the desired outcome is. I'm going to get the desired outcome, but here's how I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to teach the next person. Yep. So my, I guess my whole point to this is hearing you guys talk about this, the first time it's learned, I think, is in its purest form. And with our business, every time we've left it with someone, with we, we've said every position, every person that's been a successor has made it better. Mm-hmm. Innovation, their own style, their own qualities, their own temperament, however you want to say it. I think that's a really neat way to look at the fact that you have to be okay with that. Sure. We're not mandating how you get the job done. Well, what's interesting is there's another side of this coin. And if I'm, I'm you know, I'm listening to this, I, I would, uh, there's, there's the other side that the process side of me is not cringing, but a big <laughs> asterisk that goes into this. I love this. Is that the stuff that worked well, the stuff that stuck, the stuff that we said, wow, this is, this is, this is really good. I know where you're going. With it this. was written down yep. and it was a standard. It was Very a, true. we're not, we're not, we're not debating whether yep. this is how we want it done. If this isn't, Hey, this is the desired outcome. Do it. However you think is best. <laughs> this is how I did it, but you know, you can make it better. So just fly, Pelican yep. fly yep. on day one. No, right. it, it's yeah. look, this is the process. This is what works. And then they go, Hey, you know, I know you flagged this in outlook like this and I know you do this, but have you ever thought about maybe yep. doing it through the management system? Because there's this tool in the management system that allows you to only do one step instead of three. And then someone goes, oh, let me look at that. And they go, wow, that makes total sense. Okay, well, let's scratch that out. Yep. And we still have these other standards in the process, that's but we're going to replace this. Yeah, that's great so, clarity. Because if you, you know, if you just keep handing it down, handing it down, handing it down, but there's no standard, standardization of process, then all of a sudden you, you can deter. You can get too far away from what – it, you know, was. Sure. And so there's a, there's a cool, because that was there, because there was that structure, that's what I mean. And what you're saying, that's what I mean about the, the, the bad never stuck, but the good always stayed and because you had, on. you had to sure. literally be intentional to walk up to the dry erase board. And this is the eight steps. And you had to have everybody watching with approval and you had to cross out one of the steps and replace it with something. And that wasn't just because you decided it was a good job. That's because everybody else was a gave feedback sure. that that is a better way to do uh, that's it. Great. That's and great. That's great. And a person coming into a new role, you shouldn't be coming in day one offering new ideas. I mean, just learn how they do it first. And then you can be thinking of that, do it. And then your ideas will have uh, way more power, way more practical. You'll be able to implement them. I, I think that w- when you were talking about that, when you're talking about delegation, it's like I cringe a little bit when you hear, okay, I'm now going to train somebody how to do this role and they're going to succeed me or whatever it may be. I, I think you got to listen first. And then if you can listen first and you can, and you can check your ego, you can, you can understand um, you, you can have great innovation, but I think if you come in there on day one and you go, oh, this is the way they did it, I'm going to change this up. Even though I get the desire, I'm going to change this up right away without really understanding why they did something or yeah. the, the total perspective in which it came. And, and sure. on a life note, I think that in a perfect world, this is how we would evolve our generations as humans. <laughs> I, I get so frustrated with the conversation about millennials and baby boomers and Gen Xers and all this different stuff. And it's like, if we just looked at the things that our parents or our parents' parents did really, really well and, and took the ones that stuck, and, and then we allowed 
innovation or us to implement stuff that just no longer makes sense in that world. I think we'd be way better off than rather than saying everything our parents and their parents did is is wrong and and we're going to do this way different. Mm -hmm. I think that as we evolve as species, I think there's a little bit of innate that that's a little innate that that coming to learn activity and then to to, to add our own spin that makes sense still. You know, I think it's like you're, so, you're, but don't you think that's that's a perfect example of somebody going and skipping the activity and going straight to the teaching? Like, like yeah, like, like but, yeah, but bro, yeah. like you've been a parent six months. Don't tell, like yeah, yeah, it's like me coming in, absolutely, <laughs> and, and it's like, oh hey, you know my 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 parents telling me you know something, and I'm like. They don't know. The, the, like, the baby's vomiting. I gotta call my yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude. Uh, no, but but instead of saying, okay, interesting, that's that's a good perspective. Let me actually be a parent and then figure out what still makes sense to me, rather than resisting counsel or or whatever it may be, just in the effort to resist it or make it my own. Yeah. And I think you talked about humility. There's a level of the balance between ego that you're. You're talking about, so I just think of that from a macro that's evolution so standpoint. That's so I get, I, I share your same with politics. I share your frustration. Can we take the good? Yeah, and, and, and not you don't have to tell them that they're wrong about everything because they're not. <laughs> but but it's just I get so frustrated when people when when they're like a you have this entire generation that's come before you and has this in plethora of experience. And you're going to completely discredit everything because you just think, I mean, it's just like, it's beyond me. It drives me absolutely nuts. And and that's coming from a standpoint of my generation, our generation. You know, it's just, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Are you a millennial technically? Or is it, you know, it's funny. I'm literally right on the cutoff. So I get to play in both space. Yeah, I'm I, don't, last I, don't like, year. I don't like when people say Wait, that. Wait, so you're last year of what? My gen or the gen? The last year of the millennial. Are you, are you Gen X? I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think you're Gen X. I think you're Gen X and I, I would I think I would 84 is the cutoff. As, I would classify yeah. you as a, a millennial. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> People take that offensive, and I'm like, no, no, no. no. I don't. Hey, man, I don't think what you want to call me, but I mean, you can work an iPhone, man. So you're you're definitely. Dude, I mean, yeah, I I can Google shit. (laughs) I mean, I can change. I can change the. You know, the I can change out a water heater by watching YouTube. There you go. Okay. Is that? No, that's a good. That's just that's man way to. <laughs> no, that's just that's just broadism right there. <laughs> well, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think how we started this conversation is just you know the growth first control is, is fascinating to me, and it's what you can learn versus what you can implement. I think the conversation is pretty pretty horizontal. Well, I, I, I you know, I give a quick plug, I guess, if you want to call it that, because I'm I'm Sponsored proud. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm proud of the squad because you know, man. I, I say this with no fluff that I don't – there's not one person in this organization that doesn't epitomize it. Um, we have a concept and it's not a, it's not an urban young concept. I'm, it, it's multiple organizations have this concept, but it's called Me Inc., right? And Me Inc. is this philosophy, which is what you believe, how you hold it, and how it affects what you do. This philosophy that says run your role, run your – part on this team your 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 if you want to call it your job the the placement that you are at this time which oh by the way we all change different spots all the time it's a progression but where you currently are treat it as if it was a company and you were the CEO of that role everything that comes through that role and everything that leaves that role from how you start your day what your process looks like how you set goals 
how you conduct yourself, your attitude, um, the way that you reflect, the way that you encourage, the way that you strategize, everything, um, the way you bring energy every day. Um, it, it, how would you treat this role if it was a company and you were the CEO of it? And I think it, it's it, number it just gives people a frame of reference to say, oh wow, okay. So well, then I would definitely feel more empowered to make a call if it was my business and if, it, if I was the CEO, I wouldn't have to go and ask permission every single time, right? It changes your frame of reference to say, okay, well, if, if that's how I'm supposed to look at this, then you know, I would, I would. I would, you know, I'd do a couple things, a little, there are little nuances, there are little subtleties, I would do them different, but it starts to reshape the way that you think. And I think that breeds innovation. And I think by empowering someone to say, we're a meeting culture, that you, you need to feel empowered to be able to make these calls because you, you have the control, right? It, 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 it creates an environment where um, people feel almost an obligation to create innovation. They feel almost a, a, a responsibility uh, to create and, and make it better than it, they found it, right? Because sure. I think that's a cool thing. That's a subtlety. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a, um, a really a, a cool quality. neat thing because that's not how most people do it. And you're always great about saying that, leave something better than you found it. But if I'm, if I'm the CEO of my own role, I'm going to approach that very differently than just making sure that I show up and I don't make a mistake. Right, um, and that philosophy has has been a significant piece of that innovation puzzle. Um, well, you just hit on something right there. If, if if my mentality is I show up and I hope I don't make a mistake, you're going to make a mistake. Hmm. If you show up empowered, saying this is my role, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to take a swing at the bat. I'm gonna, I'm going to make a swing at the bat. There are no mistakes, right? You may learn something. Yeah. It may it may cost you something. May cost you something, but that's it's not a it's only a mistake if it doesn't teach you something can I, can I share a basketball story please so uh it was my first start um as a uh, at ucf college college basketball um and we were going up to play east carolina and i think uh i think our starting point guard was was hurt um and coach at the time um i was I what was, year was I think this? it was a redshirt freshman I was definitely in my, it was my second year. It wasn't my first. Um, so I had been around a, a bit and thought I had a little game, you know, thought I had a little game, but, uh, but I had never, I had never <laughs> started. And, and I remember that experience when you talk about mistakes, right? If you say you're not going to make a mistake, what are you going to do? You're going to make a mistake. And I remember the coach pulling me aside before the game and we were on the road. And so, um, which is a whole different level set of circumstances. You know, you're in somebody else's house, you have somebody else's crowd, you, you're on the road. It, it was a big deal to me. It was the biggest deal of my career. And um, and I'm a point guard, right? So starting a point guard is, is to me a little bit different. You're running the show, you have more responsibility. Um, you have to know more about everyone else's role to be able to do your role well. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I took an extreme level of ownership and, and pride in what I did, but also, um, I knew what part of my role was. I wasn't going to go out there and – it wasn't my role at the time to score 20, right? It was my role at the time to set the table, run the show, get us into offense, you know, do what point guards do and facilitate. And I went up to um, – the head coach came up to me. We were stretching at the shoot-around before the game. Just a couple hours before the game, you just get, get a little bit of sweat. 
uh, you get gone, you, you go over kind of the, 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 your, your scouting report and how you're going to defend certain looks from the other team and how you're going to execute. And you're just dialing it in mentally, right? Starting to visualize stuff like that. And, and uh, coach pulls me aside. He said, you know, you, do you know what we need you to do tonight? And I said, yeah, yeah, coach. I just, you know, I'm going to play solid, play within my role, run the show and so on and so forth. He goes, no, 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 no. Do you, do you know what we need you to do tonight? And I'm sure I said something else similar. I mean, you know, run the show, be a good point guard, get someone, you know, at the time I think it was Jermaine Taylor was a star player playing that day. So it's probably like, hey, just get Jermaine the rock. <laughs> um, and he said, no, no, no. He said, just don't turn the ball over. Mm. And I remember that feeling. I get chills talking Jeez. about it. And I, and I know his intention. His intention was God. his intention was to simplify to where I focused on this one thing because that's easier in the short term. Well, if you just don't turn the ball over, that, that was one of the most disempowering things that I've ever heard. Wow. And I, I don't even honestly remember the game. All I remember is that conversation. What a mistake. And, and, and I'm, I'm certain that I didn't play to the capability that I could have if there would have been a shift and said, you can just be the best within your role. Or how about, part just, of that, how about just control the ball? Part of that is taking care of the basketball. Part of that is making sure you're dialed in and you're getting us in the sets. But it wasn't just don't do this. And I mm. think about that in leadership all the time. Um, and I think about that coach and I think about the intentions were good. I was a great, he's a great coach. He's a better human being. But that that was a miss, and wow, uh, I believe what a, what I believe, a strong story. Yeah, so I, I just think about how transferable is is that to where you think you're 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 saying, hey, don't don't make a mistake. But, but isn't that in that in that, a, in that a, a perfect example of somebody trying to hold on to control? Yes, he could he couldn't have a and, and, and leave control, and it, and it limited my growth, whether it be for that game or yeah. for that season, Absolutely. to say. Hey, I, I think I can control this, so let me go to a limiting. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he probably succeeded. He did succeed. He, he he was he he was in your head, and he controlled the fact that you thought to yourself, "Well, I'm not going to do something because then it could compromise this." So he probably did get the outcome of getting control. But what what's better? Yeah, right. I, I got a play to make. I know I can make it, but it's in my head to not turn the ball over. Right. So, so let me not make it right. and then make another mistake. So it, it's just fascinating when you think of how you can transfer that story uh, to other conversations that you have if you're in a leadership or you're in a team role. This reminds me of a, this story wow, reminds a, me of another story, story that, that I, I used to uh, share very often with John Drennan. I mean, another, another name that's going to pop up frequently on this podcast, but we would get into conversations about um, parenting, simple parenting. You know, you tell your you tell your child not to run. Don't run. What do they do? They run. Tell them don't fall down. And what do they do? They fall down. Um, stop screaming. And they you know, instead of just saying, "Hey, talk quiet," you know, or walk. I mean, that, that's that's it's as simple as that. But that's that that goes into the fact that words are just so powerful. And and I think to the, as you're telling me the story of the coach. Intentions were great, but how about just just protect the basketball? 
It's, you would have said the you same. You'd have gone off like you'd have been. Yeah, yeah I'll protect that. You got it, coach. Yeah, I'll protect. About, how about, I'll protect that basketball, and I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a wall for you. Today. Hey, you're, you're the guy that's gonna. If you protect the, the basketball, you're, you know you're serving this team. Right? You're said it in a different way with different yeah, language. What a, what a lesson to that. still be able to get a, across the point that it's important that we take care of the road. Well, and, and, and Taylor, thinking, that's your basketball tonight. Yeah. You run that floor like that's your floor. That's your basketball. No one's, There's nobody out here that can take that away from you unless you give it away. Well, and that whole like, tie into personal development, it's like focus on what you want. Don't focus on what you don't want, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and it's that way in your life. It's that way in your business. It's that way in your role as the CEO. I mean, you you said it a couple episodes ago. You know, you, you were talking about the person that says there's no good people out there. And you said, number one, stop because you're creating your own reality. I think that was the word for word you said. That is so true in everything we stand for. What do we want? What's our desired outcome? How many times do we ask that question? Our desired outcome is this? Cool. Then we're going to coach according to that. Here's the desired outcome. Go get me the basketball or whatever. I mean, and then, and then you, you just, that just gets amplified when you're talking about delegation to an organization or a team. It's like, if you don't focus on what you don't want, because well, what you're doing is you're trying to keep control. Just focus on what you do want, which is for them, for, for you, for your organization, for your team, for your, for your, your, your staff to go out and create more to, for themselves for us for us to have fun for us to 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 to, to paint some beautiful paint, painting together not to try to hang on to what we have right not try to hang on to the basketball no we're trying to win the game isn't that a, yeah. it's funny that's a threat so it's it's ironic that growth or control is part of the conversation but as you grow there is more of a human nature to hold and a on. tendency to hold on so and, and control it because at first you have nothing to control mm -hmm. you know but but as you grow gosh we have conversations surrounding this all the time right and you could it doesn't have to be business it could, it could be anything it could be whatever it may be but you're holding on to the way it way it was rather rather than accepting and taking in i think about that basketball example what if that moment was the pivotal point in that year to where if that was approached the right way and i had an incredible game and now you've unlocked the potential of a young person moving up the ranks that now has more belief i, I absolutely you, believe right that. so but you think about that and and and, and, and and let's let's make sure as leaders that we don't we're, we're cautious of our language. We're cautious of the way that we deliver a message well, you, to not set somebody back personally and ultimately set the team back. You think about limiting belief, right? I mean, I, I think about the experience we went, we, we, when the three of us went to Tony Robbins Unleashed Power Within, we learned a lot about limiting belief. As leaders, think about how your language may anchor a limiting belief in somebody. And that, that's a perfect example of that. Oh, that's 100%. Right? I mean, you, so as a leader, you think to yourself, or an aspiring leader, that's what we are, right? You say to yourself, how I coach somebody, how I define someone's role, the, the, the constant touches you have with a team or team member, are you empowering them based on the way you're explaining that message? Are you... What are you anchoring, I guess, right? Are you anchoring negativity? Are you anchoring what you don't want? Mm -hmm. And I think about this right now, myself in my own role. I think, am I leading this way? Yeah. So it's awareness. That, that, that awareness and taking inventory is, uh, requires some humility and checking the ego and, so and true, being aware man. how you deliver a message. Because if you want growth, if you want control, you don't have to do that. And, and being able to always have it, and being able to do yeah. that with still having candor, right? Still sure. being able to deliver. There's a difference between fluffing something up 
and being able to deliver something effectively. You could still have candor and deliver something that's very crystal clear. Yes. And not, but also doing it in a way that's on the positive spin. It's not candor or fluff. You know, yeah. no, you can have candor with empowerment, right? Like very true. vulnerability and ego and confidence. Like, right, they kind of, it's the balance that we're talking about. It, I, I think the same thing from that story. Turning the ball over was a big deal. You have to value the possession of the basketball. In any sport, you have to value possession. But how you get there is the difference between you empowering or disempowering. Your, your job tonight is don't miss any shots. Right. Mm. What right. are you going to do? You're not going to take any. Right, you're going to take very little because the or you're going to miss them all. So, so here's here's what I wrote down. So, as you get, as you experience more progression in anything, in any craft, your natural instinct is to hold on to this progress that you've made. Right? If you have nothing to lose, it's easy. But then, if you have something to lose, all of a sudden, fear starts to creep in. Right? This natural instinct. All of us experience that. I think you got to change your relationship with losing. You got to change your relationship for what it means to lose. You talked about call it a mistake, right? Change change the way that you look at that and fall in love with making a mistake, fall in love with doing something the wrong way, fall in love with figuring out how something doesn't work, fall in love with not being so attached to an outcome, but being more falling in love with chop wood and carry water. The real prize is the journey. The real prize is the activity. The real prize is who I'm becoming. The real prize is not us winning the basketball game, right? So if you can change your relationship with losing, then in, in I think it makes it a lot easier as you progress to not try to mitigate against losing what you've had because it, then it's a matter of well then we'll just go back to chopping wood and carrying water we'll just go back to the activity we'll just go back to the gym because that's where the real that's where the real fun is anyway you know win lose or or or, or, or draw you know i'm in, i'm ingrained in love with the process and i know that if i just do something incorrect or i lose over here then i just figure out a way not to do it um it's a big shift though it's a huge shift because the gym you know, the, the fitness side of it, at first you think, oh, no, I'm going to work out so I can lose weight. I'm going to work out so I look good or I'm going to eat, eat, eat right, right. But the shift comes from think of it in a different way. I'm going to go back to working out because because for what it gives me an, an energy and, and a shift that it's more about me getting there and going through the process and feeling pride in myself rather than me looking at the mirror at the end of my 20 pushups and saying, you know, did did I did God, I gain, so did true. I gain any bulk? And that right. that's a transferable thing. That again, I think is a, a way easier thing. That, that's so, what happened to me in the gym. Yeah, I mean, the gym was always a struggle for me. The working out was always a struggle for me, like a real struggle. For I, me. I can I can uh, you could relate to that. You know, I can attest, not relate. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say, attest <laughs> is the word. Yeah. yeah, I can't relate. I can't relate. I can't relate. Let's what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you always. Tay's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like an oak here. Uh, he, uh, you, that, it, to, now, say, to say you would outwork me is the most is the biggest understatement known to like. I struggle. Let's just call it out as I struggled with, you know, uh, the, the 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 concept of physically consistently working out because it was always about the result for me. Right. It was always about the result, and. That's why people get single and then they get jacked. That's right. No, and that, you know, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs>
But I, and then, and so I would go do, I'd do the spurts, you know, you do the spurts and then you fall on, you do, I'll do P90X and then I'll stop and then you get this program and then you stop and then, you know, it's just like this constant, like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to fall in love with this for me. I'm going to do whatever I like. And now it's become this morning process of the love of the activity. You know, I went to the gym this morning, got up at the same time, did the deal. I literally did two exercises because we had to come here, right? I did two exercises, but I don't care. I got in the shower, I did the deal because I love that. I don't, it's not a matter of I went today because I want to get bigger. I went today because I want to get stronger. It had zero to do with that. I went today because I enjoy it. I went today because it's chopped wood, carry water. The I rest did, of my day will be better because I went today. Or, yeah, and, and maybe that's that's a result still. I, I went because I love the way, because the people who have what I have and the person that I want to be, they do that. So therefore, when I do that, I feel a sense of self-esteem and I feel a sense of, of, of you know, progress. You mean the people that have what you want. Sure. Yeah. That's what I meant. And yes. I, I want to, as, as much as I'm joking about um, your inability to consistently work out a, <laughs> a decade ago. <laughs> um, I will say, I, I think it's such a cool part of your story and we all have probably our own version of this and anyone listening has their own version of what I'm about to share. But you went from being somebody that just had no interest in working out and a total yo-yo as far as I'm going to get fit and then I'm going to let myself go and um, so on and so forth. And now you're one of the most adamant, consistent early risers that you, it's more of a priority for you than it is for me. And that, and if you were to say that 10 years ago, I'd be like, no way. So a lot of people that struggle with, oh, you know, this is just the way I am. You know, it's, it's just me. Um, whether it be waking up early or whether it be working out consistently or eating a certain way, I think we're all vulnerable to attaching ourselves to controlling because it's the way it was rather than and, and now it's so impressive because you've totally shifted to becoming somebody that had no interest in the gym to somebody that oh my gosh if I don't get to the gym I'm gonna have very little interest in the rest mm. and what a cool shift I mean that's amazing well I think about I think about Brett's shift of when we used to talk about getting up early and you've always been an early riser and I've you know I've gone through just wow so tight but and Brett's like yeah man I I don't get up early I'm a night guy I do all my right. work at night and then and then this shift I think from seeing people that have what you want or, mm -hmm. or studying achievers people yep. that have, there's a few characteristics that they all have mm -hmm. like it or not yep. fight it all you want but they get up early and they and most of them get a workout in early you might not like gravity but. So Gravity still exists. I was listening right. to a podcast this morning about how uh, his opinion was that choice was an illusion, that your choices are finite. And he was telling a story about how um, Vince Carter, uh, at the time when he was telling the story, he's 37 years old, uh, played in the NBA for gosh knows how many seasons. 60 years? Yeah, it's 100 years. And he was talking about choice. And I'll probably butcher the story, but what I borrowed from it is that I, I don't. I, I have to make good choices to continue to get what I want. It's it, There is no choice, mm. right? Like I have to eat healthy or when I get on a breakaway, I can't just dunk it every time like I used to. Like I have to lay it up so I can continue to play. And I think what you're talking about is most people that have what you want or whatever it is, you're, you only have so many choices. So if you can control those choices to give yourself a better opportunity, 
you know, why wouldn't you is, is the question. Mm -hmm. If you gain perspective, that's a great perspective. Within that perspective framework, you only have so many choices. But without that perspective, in the in the in the in the finite in the in the in the when you're in it, you have plethora of choices. But that's the illusion, right? That's an. I want to read that, by the way. Well, I see the podcast this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't it's, wait to listen uh, to it. It's impact theory. Tom Ballou, and I think the 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 guy that uh, is the guest. His first name's Trevor. I, I can't think of his last name, but he's a, a college football, uh, NFL peak performance. I mean, some of the stories are incredible. I was hooked. I shared the podcast five minutes in, even though it was a forty-minute podcast. Because I was like, I know <laughs> this, this is so good. good. I know this is going to happen. And then as it progressed, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's this really is good. good. That's great. Yeah, I can't wait to well, listen. I, the the gym conversation to me, it's the same conversation. It's changing your relationship with whatever it is you're talking about, right? So control your. your if you change your relationship with losing, if you change your relationship with. Um, what it means to make mistakes. You, you change your relationship with that. It lessens the blow because it's just part of the process. It's just it's it's just part of the deal, right? So whereas the gym, I changed my relationship with if I missed, I'd get all hung over and 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 and, and, and hung over and meaning like I missed five days and I'd get this 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 emotional hangover of like I'm done. You know, it's, it's toast. You know, the result, the result that I was looking for, I can't get that now. I just yeah. set myself back because I was so attached to the result because my relationship yeah. with the activity. Or you get sick. Yeah, my relationship with the activity was it's a means to an end. So if I can't get the end, then why am I going to do the means? And then I go for a month and then I go, well, I got to now I got to I got to get back on it because I can't I don't right. want to be this person. But as soon as the relationship changes, it says, oh, man, if I miss three, four days, it's just a dent in the locker. Shame on me. But I'm not going because I want the result. The relationship I have with it is because it's just who I am, because this is what people that I aspire to be like. This is what they do. And I want to be that person. So therefore, it has to be something that I do. And, and, and well I want it to be something I do. Well so if we change our relationship with that. I think you 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 don't need to hang on to the control, you know. It's not it's no longer a fight for 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 control because you realize that it's just one of the variables, you know, part Mistake, of the equation. Like mistakes, mistakes and turnovers, right? So you change your relationship with what a mistake means, like you were saying earlier. I do. I think about golf. Like, I mean, how many times you, are you any good at golf? No, no. These broads actually very <laughs> no. Good but at golf. but think about it. Whether you're a beginner, whether you're, a, I mean, guys on tour, you know, I. I just don't want to hit this one left. Oof. Oh man, that and and bye. <laughs> so so talk to me. Left. Talk to me about that because obviously you caddied at the highest level for for a long time. <laughs> because so if you're if you're if you're walking the course right, and so you'd walk the course and you'd see where all these hazards are, and you would you you'd be responsible for knowing all the little nooks and crannies of all the places you don't want to hit the golf ball, <laughs> right? That was that was part well, of your scope. a lot of that goes yeah, but a lot of that goes into just. An overall approach. I mean, if you're talking about a guy on tour, um, at least in my experience, I mean, there's people with way more experience on tour than I had in my three and a half short little years, four years. But you're the coach. In, in, in essence, you're the caddy. You're the coach, right? The player is the artist. The player is the talent. The player is the person that is ultimately responsible for, you know, do I hit a good shot or do I hit a bad shot? But the framework of what goes into that execution is 100% you know on you part of you so how do you how do you tell somebody don't hit it left there's well, a, there's a trap back I'll there give, I'll give you a great answer because my journey with personal development started after that fact 
So what's interesting to me is during the days when I tried to play, which were the years before I actually caddied on tour, I didn't have good self-talk. I didn't have a good attitude. I had a good work ethic, but I didn't couple that with a good attitude. Um, I never focused on what I wanted. I always focused on what I didn't want. And, 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 and there's, a, there's some degree of that that blended and kind of bled into my career caddying, um, even though it got a little bit better because you level up, right? I went from driving the United States in a little beat up Ford Taurus to flying around the world caddying on the biggest stage there is in golf. So in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, you're forced to kind of level up a little bit with your thinking, but I still wasn't as equipped then as I was the minute I got done with golf. Right. Would be fun to go back being a little bit more equipped. I think that would be fun. Not that I would change anything. I wouldn't go back to that lifestyle for anything. I love what we're doing and what we stand for. And, you know, truly experiencing this growth has been the most important thing in my life, most uh, noteworthy thing. But to your question, it, it's it, I don't even know if I have a good answer because if you're standing on a, a dog leg and, and there's a bunker that's 290 yards out, you're giving the distance to that bunker, yep. right? That, the bunker's 290. So, you know, you, you if it's a dog leg right, you got to be a little bit right of it, but you can't hit it 291 or you're going to be in the bunker. So, Is I, there a miss thing? Do you, do you, do you talk about well, and that, and, and that's what's a good miss? What a great question because there's always a miss. There's always a quote-unquote prudent miss, but you never want to play to the miss even though you want to make sure you miss Golf is a game who the guy who plays the best misses the best. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you're focused on where you want it to go and you know that there's always a miss or there's always a, a prudent miss, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a dichotomy between I'm only thinking about that flag that's on the left side of the green and I draw the ball so it's a perfect flag for me versus the guy that says – you just saw it last week on tour. You you, you saw wow. uh, you saw Tommy Fleetwood. That's a flag that was out on the right hand side of the green, with water right, and he is a drawer of the ball. Some would say he's a hooker of the ball, mm -hmm. and he's going to stand there on the seventy second hole, trying to make eagle hit by hitting a cut, right. when the guy's not a cutter. And I I, I just so the, the, you know, well, he didn't. He didn't be who well, you maybe he didn't acknowledge the the, the miss as much. Well, the caddy said. said the caddy said to him, "You can't cut this ball." I, I think was what he said. He says, "You can't cut this ball." And Tommy stood up there and tried to cut it and blocked it thirty yards into the water. Yeah, it's brutal. I watched that. Um, so I, I don't really know. The reason I struggle to give you an answer is because that wasn't who I was back then. It'd be simple to give you an answer now. Yeah, I didn't think that way back then. Right. I. I. I you know. Do you think that? Do you think what's the safe? That, what's, do you think that taking these philosophies and these strategies and these different concepts of who you are now back to that time <laughs> would have resulted in a completely different? There's uh, no question. If talent is is if talent back then is created equal, there's zero doubt that that would have made a difference. Interesting. Personally, without a man, I made it on tour. Can't say. Probably still wasn't good enough. But, and I'm okay with that. But as a as a caddy, would it have made a difference? One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but it's funny because the miss to me, I just think about that's the turnover. Like you have to acknowledge it. That's right. It's just is it the driver of your 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 mindset? Right. For for a guy that's not contending every week, it is no question. Right. No and, question. And because the amateur golfer goes up there and 
sees the flag and goes, yeah, this is my shot. I'm going to go ahead and rope this in, right? <laughs> Rather than this is my shot. I feel good about bringing it this way, but okay. Where, so there, there's a part of that that I'm fascinated by. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so real because even now, I mean, I, I, that's that candor part of the conversation though, right? Yeah. right? Fluff would be, oh, this is your shot. You rope it in, da, 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 right? Yeah. But the candor would say, look, you left is, is, is not, is off limits. Okay. So worst case scenario, blah, 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 blah. So make sure that that's in the, the, the strategy. But honestly, if you, approach it this way this way this way man this is this is this is a, a, a good shot for you You're well, gonna, you, 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 know. you see it now like if you watch watch golf on a sunday afternoon and watch the guys that are coming down the the, the last few three four five holes and they've got the, the mic right in their face what do you hear the caddy say together they together they most relationships they, they discuss the yardage they discuss a carry or a, or a, or a, uh, a, a three yardage hitting into a green and then the caddy inevitably knows where the miss is. So let's say the flag is cut on the right half of the green. The caddy will find the TV stand that's left of that and say, yeah, I like the, I like the left leg of that TV stand. What he's saying is, yeah. here's the miss. Without saying, Without here's, saying the miss. here's the miss. Caddy, caddy says, I like that. I like that CBS sign out there, and 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 that's ten feet left of the flag. So you're saying when you just for so you, I, I can understand a little better, and anybody that doesn't follow you, when you say that's the miss, are you saying that if you're gonna miss it, that's where you that's the prudent play. Got right? it. If you, if you've got a flag that's cut four or five steps off the right side of the green, mm -hmm. and you've got a six iron or above in your hand, you'll take 10, 15, yeah. 20 feet left of the flag, and that's a good shot. But the caddy's not going to call you. If, if I'm the player and I'm looking at the flag, whether I say it or not, I mean, I'm looking at the flag. But then the caddy puts in there, I like the CBS sign that's 10 or 15 feet left yeah. or five feet left or five yards left, whatever it is. Which is his way of saying don't turn the ball over without saying that's don't turn his the ball way, over. That's his way of saying don't miss this right <laughs> because if you miss it right, we're short-sighted and we're right. going to make bogey. Yeah. And then what's he going to do? He's going to miss it right. He's you just, yeah. you just don't put miss the it fear right. of yeah. God and yeah. missing it right. Yeah. And I mean, it... it it's it's so I mean, don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Don't miss it left. I mean, just, just that just that is loud in my head. Don't lose this sale. That is don't lose this sale. Yeah, we yeah. need this. And, and to give context to the conversation, language like that is okay if you want to grip and control. But if you want growth, language like that can be detriment. And Absolutely. Kind of what we've hit on today. I mean, it's it's been a fun conversation because you're talking about aspiring. You're all, growth mindset. People talk about that a lot. Sometimes growth mindset is uncomfortable, and it it's about purging or letting go of something that is comfortable or or any any. It's so funny when you're talking about business. You're talking about leadership you're talking about training somebody then you're talking about hitting a five iron and i'm talking about playing with an orange ball you know and, and it's so transferable well it just it reminds me of success is not found within your comfort zone right i mean if you're going to grow you're going to do something that's uncomfortable human performance human development right it doesn't matter if it's a little white ball an orange ball or a company at the at at the end of that statement, you're trying to get a desired outcome from either one person or a bunch of people. And there is an art and a science to that. Well, and success lies outside our comfort zone. Any way you cut it. It's great. So.
Good stuff. Cool, gang. Nice chat, boys. Enjoyed it. Big time. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Well, that'll do it. Episode eight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys are the best. I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate the love and uh, Rod and Taylor appreciate the love. So if you enjoyed this, please share it. If you uh, haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, we've got some really cool content coming our way. And also check us out on our socials if you haven't. Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So this video is available on all those platforms if you'd rather watch it. But thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Remember, as you go about your day, run from the ordinary. That's what everybody else wants to do. Remember, you are extraordinary. Oh,